Debating, what is it? The answer is, no one knows. And neither does anyone in this building. Sorry, I wanted a way to like, get everyone's attention without like, hitting the gavel or shouting, so I decided to play some music. Hello everyone, if I haven't got to talk to you already, welcome to uh, our Storm and Mixer for this year. This is our third annual Storm and Mixer. Every year we come up here, we have a debate, we have a wee look at some of like, that kind of thing and that, and just like generally the building, and then we all sort of and get the bus, and normally goes for the pub. So we're hey! So, yeah, we're hey! I noticed Stormont didn't get a cheer, but the pub did. I think it was a, a statement that was indicative of a university rating society. That is most definitely it. So, um, the debate today is this house supports the enforcement of equal marriage and abortion on NI. I'm getting that, that's the word completely correct. So, the proposition is... Yeah. Hello, I'm speaking first the proposition. Wait, no, sorry. No, this right, I'm going to say something now. I'm just like, this happens every single year. What happens is, I come up, I go, which one of you is the proposition? And then everyone looks at me as if I've asked, what is the capital of a country they've never heard of? It happens every single year. Well, so, I think you're asking our names. Oh no, I know your names for now. Yeah, but I thought it was a Friday or something. I don't know, like GI or Okay, right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go left to right, and you are to introduce yourself in this form. Which left? Pardon? Which left? Like that. My left. Pointed. Pointed, Russell. I was being a dick. Yes, I am. So what I want you to do is I want you to introduce yourselves, because I've now got inspired for a system. I say, hello, my name is, then you say your name, and I'm speaking first or second or whatever, for that whatever side you're on, just so everyone knows who you are and why you are here. So, starting with you. Hello, my name is Russell Nair, and I am speaking first for the opposition. Hello, my name is Connor Fichardi, and I am speaking second for the opposition. Hello, I am Rebecca, and I am first for the conference. I am Tom McGuinness, and I am speaking second for the proposition. Wow, what an excellent system I have created. That's so. <laughs> okay, it, felt like, <laughs> it felt more like you were actually challenged. Yeah. Hi, I'm Rodney. Yeah, uh, I think I should have had music on that just to just to really get the mood up. So we've got an hour in here uh, before we are sent away, sent packing, sent kicked down the stairs and talked to no one. Rousted by the pools. <laughs> yes, um, and the snipers, which we know they are. Like if we don't leave here by four, we're just told go go go, and we just get uh, and then we have to leave. That's not me making something up. That is what we do at the business as a fact. So, uh, thank you all for coming for one. Uh, I'd like to thank Con McGarble for organising this, for getting us all, like, getting us all in the building. Thank you. It was so busy, we are, like, taking up the value of time here. Yeah, and we also also thank, even though she's not here, we did thank her earlier, Claire Bailey for getting us in, because without her we literally would not be here. So, So, I think that means it's time for the debate, uh, and that means uh, I want to know opinions, and that means there's a vote of prior opinion. So, the motion is, this case supports the enforcement of equal marriage and abortion on NI. A couple of things I want to remind you about the vote of prior opinion. One, 
I am five foot six, I won't be able to see all of your hands. I know there are fewer of you, but keep your hands up high. And number two, this is just a vote on prior opinion. You've been here before, you know what it means. It doesn't affect what's about to happen. So, uh, if, you wait, if you support the motion, uh, this House would support the enforcement of equal marriage and abortion on an eye. Please raise your hand and say aye. Aye. Inexplicably, sometimes when counting the President and Secretary do, do get very different numbers and nobody knows why. Uh, for those who, who believe the opposite of the motion, who wish to oppose it, please raise your hands and say nay. Nay. And all those who wish to stay on the motion, who um, like, don't care or don't really have an opinion, please raise your hands and say nay. Nah. Mr. Treasurer, could you please read back the vote in your nicest voice? In my nicest voice? Yeah. My nicest voice is my normal voice. That was a bit weird. I did not like that. I see we have 12 votes for the proposition, 4 for the opposition, and 4 abstaining votes. Oh, so the proposition have it. You're supporting the motion so far. But will that all change? Well, it's time to find out as we welcome the first speaker for the proposition to give a speech. Abortion law conflicts with the UK's commitments 
on the European um, on human rights. Um, and we are talking about human rights here. The LGBT community in Northern Ireland are waiting for legal respect from those in power and it has not been given to them. Women and pregnant people experiencing crisis pregnancies in Northern Ireland are waiting on health care provision and it has not been given to them. The enforcement of equal marriage and abortion on NI is the quickest way to bring positive change to those most affected by these policies. Thank you. Um, it is the quickest way to ensure the end of discrimination based on orientation and it's the quickest way to ensure that no one leaves their own country for basic health care and therefore we support this motion. Um, now the true kind of part of this debate isn't about the ethics of marriage or abortion and um, it's about whether it's correct that Westminster should choose the wording of the motion enforce these changes um, on NI. Um, a key argument of the opposition today, I'm sure, will be that um, Westminster's enforcing of these policies on Northern Ireland disregards our devolution and takes power to make decisions for local people away from our local assembly. And so that we can say it's not Westminster here disrespecting devolution, it's our own government on staff in almost three years. On that point. No thanks. Um, as of today, Northern Ireland has gone 995 days without a government. Those in power in Northern Ireland have had ample time to either work about bringing these changes themselves, um, or in the case of this Executive Formation Act, um, to reach an agreement before the 21st of October deadline. Um, and as Tom will tell us more about, it's not as if these policies are unwanted. Um, all polls um, all polls point towards a majority in favour of equal marriage and abortion reform. Uh, what this enforcing uh, does in effect is take away the ability of our assembly to block reform that people here want. Um, it's a sad indictment of the Assembly um, and our politics that Westminster felt the need to act on these issues of equal marriage and abortion, but is there anything to do to improve the lives of people in Northern Ireland? And therefore the proposition today supports the enforcement of these policies on NI. Both these rights have been long and hard fought for in Northern Ireland. Change is coming now and it has to come now and the decision taken at Westminster to enforce marriage equality and legal local abortion on Northern Ireland will finally deliver um, that change that people especially women and LGBT people uh, living in Northern Ireland so desperately need. Um, so it's for that reason that the proposition today supports the enforcement of equal marriage and abortion on the ground. with the first proposition speaker for about the first minute of her speech in which she stressed the importance of equal marriage and abortion for Northern Ireland. The opposition fully supports the institution of equal marriage and abortion in Northern Ireland. However, what we do not support is the imposition of these laws from an outside power disrespecting the devolution that has been so hard fought for. By allowing for this to occur, we are giving a free pass to petulism politics and we are engaging in anti-democratic behavior just because it suits us. So, I've got three main points for you all in this speech. I'm going to talk about how enforcing laws on NI from Westminster is a bad thing. I'm going to talk about how this move has given the DUP and Sinn Féin a free pass to be petulant on issues in the future. And how, after all this, the system has still remained unchanged and it is still overall bad and this supports the current system which is doing bad things. So, do not overplay the seriousness of Westminster stepping in on this issue. It is obviously you know, that they're stepping in 
because of a you know, supposedly crisis situation in which the, they feel that the NI Assembly is you know, unfit to govern itself. But consider the implications of that, in which Westminster are basically turning to the people of NI and they are saying that you cannot be fit, you aren't, you aren't fit to govern yourselves. You know, you've, 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 you've played with this ball too long, you've broken it, you can't have it anymore. And what that fundamentally implies is a distrust from Westminster, not only in the people of NI, but in the system of Northern Irish devolution. And that implies that the system that Northern Irish devolution is operating under is broken. Democracy has died in Northern Ireland to thunderous applause at the enforcement of these laws. Um, we have, you know, the desire for self-determination within Northern Ireland seems to only apply when it suits us. You know, we're all for devolution, we're all for Stormont, we're all for people getting to you know, govern themselves and elect their own representatives and decide for themselves until it becomes the point where it suits us to not do that and have Westminster impose a law instead. I think you would find that if it were different laws being imposed from Westminster, there would be a very, very different response. It's just because this issue has been so long and hard fought for that people are turning a blind eye. What the opposition is telling you is we can't turn a blind eye to such things. We have to get these laws, but through proper democratic means. Because we cannot accept this dangerous precedent of allowing laws to suddenly be passed from outside the second we don't really want to deal with it. Um, and why is that? Why is that such an important thing? Well, by accepting this dangerous precedent, we give groups like the DUP and Sinn Féin, who are the main source of this petulance, who are the main reason this situation is happening in the first place, we give them a free pass for this petulance. We reward, we have actively rewarded the past three years of non-governments through giving them exactly what they want. All right, it shows that throwing a hissy fit works. Do you think that the DUP are honestly annoyed that abortion say, and like equal marriage are being enforced? No, if I'm honest, if I was in the DUP right now, I would be thrilled. Because you know what it allows? It allows for us to still fight that issue while blaming someone else for it. We get to say, oh, no. we get to move past that. We get to say, you know, oh, you know, equal marriage and abortion are in Northern Ireland. But that wasn't our fault, you know. That wasn't our fault, average DUP voter. We didn't allow that. It was, you know, the, the evil Westminster bureaucrats who did that to us. And beyond a no illusion, okay, obviously you'd assume Sinn Féin doesn't like Westminster. Don't for a second assume the DUP likes Westminster any more than Sinn Féin does. There's a great quote from um, Ian Paisley himself. The day, you know, the good, a Good Friday agreement's in, in order, you know, first day of the assembly. He turned to Martin McGuinness, and you know what he said? He said, Martin, this is the happiest day of my life. The English are leaving. Because ultimately, between both parties, there is just a desire for self-governance. And by accepting this alternative, by accepting institution from Westminster, we have abandoned that principle. We have abandoned self-governance, and we have given in to petulant policy-making, and we've rewarded these hissy fists. And what, why is that so bad? Because at the end of the day, after all this is over, after, you know, Potentially storm comes. We're definitely not getting stormed back until after this deadline. This is definitely going through because there is now negative incentive to get stormed back. Um, it would actively be political suicide to get stormed back now. But let's say a hypothetical world in which stormed comes back after this. The system's exactly the same, except the system is exactly the same with a dangerous precedent set within this. Both major parties now know that if at any time they have an issue they want to force through. 
If at any time they want to act like children and enforce things upon the general population, or they wish to bypass parliamentary systems, they wish to bypass democracy, all they have to do is throw a hissy fit, collapse the assembly, and eventually Daddy Westminster will come in and sort it all out. It is absurd. It is an absolute sham towards democracy to in any way support this outside enforcement just because this time it happens to be a good law, this time it happens to be something we want, is absurd. You cannot maintain a firm footing and believe that. You know, we can't just, you know, just because this suits us. We can't live in a world of, oh, you know, parliamentary systems only exist when they suit us. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work. And it leads to harming our democracy overall. So, main points for you all to leave with and to consider from the opposition. Law enforced from Westminster is a bad thing because it undermines the principle of the Good Friday Agreement. It undermines all communities in Northern Ireland. It doesn't just undermine, you know, people, like often it's the nationalist side of the argument saying that it's a bad thing for Westminster to enforce laws, but it's not just that. It undermines both nationalist and unionist self-determination through devolution. It gives the DUP and Sinn Féin a free pass to be petulant in the future and to force any law they want to through Parliament by just being children. And it, it promotes anti-democratic behaviour and leaves the system unchanged. If you really want to see these laws in Northern Ireland, the best way to have gone about it would have been to demand system change in Stormont so that it can be achieved through devolution rather than having it enforced from Westminster. Thank you. Now, to finish proposing the motion, please welcome Mr. Tom McGuinness. So, just to begin with, um, just a brief rebuttal. And you know, Russell's spoken very well, I think, about sort of the danger that this, you know, the, the danger that the, of this um, forcing these laws on Northern Ireland poses. But I think the key mistake he makes is saying that you know, this action is um, sorry, is, you know, is undermining the right to the right self determination of the Northern Irish people. This is not showing that the Northern Irish people can't themselves. It's a failing of our present representatives. Nothing more, nothing less. This is the people who have forced these laws to remain in place for this long. That is the that is upon whom the this blame lies. And you sort of talked about well, what if well, the laws. Thing is, it, it isn't. And what you know, what, and what if this could just happen again? This is an exceptional circumstance. We have not had a government for more than two years now. You know, you know, he said, you know, the second we don't want to deal with it. It's not been the second we don't want to deal with it. It's been more than two years after we stopped dealing with it. You know, so back to this point, there is a moral imperative. No, thank you. There is a moral imperative to overturn the Northern Irish Assembly's ban on gay marriage and its practice of state forced pregnancy. These laws are antiquated and cruel. They treat swathes of our society as lesser citizens, they reduce people's bodily autonomy and freedom of expression, and in the case of the latter, they cost lives. These things alone should be arguments enough. The abhorrent nature of these laws, on the face of them, should be sufficient, even if their mandate was absolute, their democratic import unquestioned, to have them overturned. But that is simply not the case. The truth of the matter is that there is no real democratic mandate to enforce these laws. While reform on these crucial matters is blocked by the non-functioning Northern Irish Assembly, Recent polls have suggested that as many as 70% of the, Northern Ireland, the population in Northern Ireland believe that gay couples should have the right to marry. On that point. And furthermore, 65%, no thank you. And furthermore, 65% believe that pregnant persons should have the right to have an abortion. 70 and 
That is a super majority in favour of progress. That is enough to amend the Constitution in the United States. Not only does the intransigence of the GDP on these matters, and I should be stressed at this moment, that the archaic limbo in which our country is being forced to endure is endured at the whim of a single political party. Not only does their intransigence stand in the way of basic human decency, but it stands in the way of the overwhelming democratic will of the people of Northern Ireland. Not, of course, that this has ever stopped the On that point. No point. And let's dive into that particular point for a second. The DEP, the party who is responsible for the continuation of the ban on gay marriage and the practice of state forced pregnancy, state forced pregnancy, does not even hold a majority in the Northern Ireland Assembly. Indeed, they barely hold a plurality. And yet, they're able to bar the way of democratic progress by virtue of a misuse of the Northern Irish system. On that a point. system, no thanks. Let's not forget, that is woefully inefficient by any measurable standard. In the, same, in the time that they have been, both been in existence, the Scottish Parliament has managed to institute more than three times the number of votes that Stormont has. That is a system that is the, the opposition by necessity defends. A creaking, ramshackle mess of a political system. Oh, no thank you. That enables a minority group to enforce cruel, mandateless laws against the will of their own people and indeed the government which they purport to be law. These laws that are blocked by the DUP have been passed in the rest of the UK and have been immensely popular and successful. Gay couples can be married, have their love recognised as no different to that of heterosexual couples, and shockingly, those heterosexual marriages have not been spontaneously devalued. Hellfire has not rained down from the sky, nobody has been turned into a pillar of salt. Similarly, state forced pregnancy has been abolished and lives have been saved. Pregnant persons who want to have an abortion have been able to do so in a safe manner. The institution of Stormont, like the other devolved part governments of Scotland and Wales, is meant to protect the devolved regions of the United Kingdom from the English laws that go against their wishes. The ban on gay marriage and the ban on and the practice of state forced pregnancy go against the wishes of the people of Northern Ireland. They represent the wishes of a minority of reactionary bigots who have been given undue influence by a creaking, undemocratic system that at this present moment has been failing to function even in that woefully inefficient role. Oh, if Stormont is unwilling to do its job, to work as a democratic institution and implement laws that represent the will of the Northern Irish people, then absolutely the end of the ban on gay marriage and the abolition of state forced pregnancy should be forced upon them. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. McGuinness, for your speech. I'd now like to welcome up to conclude for the opposition and indeed the debate, Mr. Colm interesting debate in that the proposition and the opposition are very much in agreement. If we look at it, the proposition has clearly and adequately outlined why we need law change in Northern Ireland, and us and the opposition are clearly not disputing it. However, while they're dealing with the why, we are dealing with the how. The current how in dealing with changing the law in Northern Ireland is not appropriate for this devolved area of the United Kingdom. Now, I'm sure you're all aware that myself and Russell and the opposition are in favour of law change. We understand the current laws are abhorrent, they are wrong, they're incompatible with human rights. You know, I am an unchained liberty, annoyingly at times, so I believe the laws should be changed. And it is tempting, it's incredibly tempting for me personally as well, to just let Westminster deal with it. It is, because we understand the pain and the suffering that these laws cause. But the key message here was precedent. What precedent does this set? As Russell has eloquently outlined, this will give Sinn Féin and the DUP a free pass to how they have failed people here in Northern Ireland. Allow them to hide under the cloak of Westminster coming in and sorting everything out for them. 
Now, I'm going to take a bit of comparison between the popular referendum in the South and how the law will be implemented here. The Repeal the 8th referendum was a massive exercise in democracy in the Republic of Ireland. It abolished some of the most restrictive abortion laws in Europe. However, the manner in which it was done was not simply by a piece of legislation, it was done by popular referendum. The country had a very, very detailed and long conversation with itself over many, many months leading up to the referendum. The legislation was scrutinised, it was changed and amended to respect all viewpoints on very, very sensitive matters in terms of abortion. And as such, we had a piece of strong legislation which passed with the repeal of the 8th referendum in the Constitution of the Republic of Ireland. When the law comes into force here, it will not be a magic wand. We understand here in Northern Ireland nothing happens simply and quickly. The law needs to be evaluated, it needs to be looked at, but with the absence of a functioning assembly, the law that is simply copied and pasted here in Northern Ireland will not serve the people of Northern Ireland better on both sides of each argument. On that point? Yes. How will it not align with what specifically about Northern Ireland means that you know, the legalisation of abortion and ending of state forced pregnancy isn't going to work any better here than it did in the rest of the UK? Well, there's a clear issue of doctors and the issue of opt-out and consciousness as well. There's a letter that was wrote, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, in regards to that. So we have to address those beliefs and those opinions. And that brings me on to my next point. This is a good law that is coming in. No one can really argue against that, depending on what side of the argument you're on, of course you can. But no one can really argue in sort of this sphere of Ireland is good for Northern Ireland. But what happens when they're not bringing liberal goodies across the Irish Sea? This direct route precedent means that the British Parliament can decide whatever happens here. Now, this is incredibly concerning. If we have an election and the Conservatives want a majority, what, what, what other things are going to come across the Irish Sea when needed? The Boris Hurstile Act? various things like that, we have to be aware here that we are setting an incredibly dangerous precedent. We are undermining the Good Friday Agreement and we are undermining the principle of devolution and consent. And with Brexit coming down the line, those who are so glad to see this act come in will also clearly remind you that Northern Ireland voted to remain in the European Union. It's a clear contradiction. This principle will be different than any single piece of policy. This principle outlines that we are a distinct entity in the United Kingdom where the people's opinions, no thank you, should be respected and should be considered in the laws of this place as well. The precedent runs deeper than these areas of policy. And I know and I understand that these are such vital areas of policy, but we have to respect that this sets an incredibly dangerous precedent, undermining the Good Friday Agreement and undermining the opinions and beliefs of everyone here in Northern Ireland. It promotes anti-democratic changes to this place. In a place that is so absent of democracy, this slowly encroachment of direct rule is incredibly dangerous and worrying. Bear in mind some of the most tragic and dark times in this state's, state's history came under direct rule. Any lack of implementation or input into the democratic system removes people. And it's a failure for nationalists and unionists alike, as Russell outlined. Westminster does not care about someone on the Shankill more than they care about someone on the Falls Road. It's a clear separation of understanding the unique challenges and the unique issues that face us here in Northern Ireland. The current system, of course, needs changing. We do not dispute that. But it needs changing within the parameters of the tirelessly negotiated over in those buildings over there, with blood, sweat and tears under the parameters of the Good Friday Agreement, which allows laws to be 
be changed, but only with the consent of the people here in Northern Ireland. I would encourage you to vote with the opposition for the sake of this precedent, for a better future for everyone in Northern Ireland. Thank you. here today and now it's time to throw the debate open to everyone who has come here. So if you've got any questions for the proposition, uh, please raise your hand and you can ask them with your mouth. Mm. Uh, yes, Mr. Uh, the proposition has spoken at length about how strongly they agree with the implementation uh, of uh, Equal Marriage and of the Abortion Act. Uh, but that strength is somewhat invalidated by their pedestal on which they're placing this precedent. They are putting this ideological precedent and the idea of democracy above real and tangible human suffering. And so I'd just like to propose to you, do you believe that a precedent is more important than the real suffering that's on, like ongoing? Because obviously Im implementing these laws through conventional channels takes time, whereas this Westminster Act would obviously be much quicker. I think that question is for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take it if you want. We'll go opposition then for opposition. Let's, just, let's, let's be fluid with the former. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a very good point, I understand that. I think what it illustrates is that we have to respect our institutions, even when they don't suit us. You know what I mean? We have to understand that once we begin to take these little shortcuts for something that seems right at the time for the majority, we can completely undermine the principles and institutions. And I know it seems like a bit of academia, that's undermining the precedent, but there was real suffering going on and we changes need to be made. But we have to understand that those little changes can have such a devastating impact for our institutions. We've been done by. Yes, I, I think one. Uh, firstly, I, I absolutely agree. I think you know, ending real present human suffering is more important than what precedent set. And secondly, I I personally don't agree with the you know, the extent to which this the precedent this sets. You know. Because what this is saying, you know, what this is saying is, the next time the government hasn't been enough, you know, the government hasn't been functioning for more than two years, and there are two issues, both of which have overwhelming popular support, that the, the the one party that holds less than thirty percent of the um, vote and seats in that particular um, body of government is stopping from going through, uh, you know, is up for it is up for being forced through. Then you can do that. You know, it's, it's you know, we're not saying you know, Westminster can force through whatever it wants. This is a very very specific circumstance, and circumstance requires immediate and direct action. So, are there any questions for the proposition out of everyone here? Mm. Yes! Lovely. Um, so, the manner in which the Westminster legislation has been brought in doesn't identically translate English legislation to over here. For example, there's um, in England a uh, person performing abortion has the right to conscientious objection, which is actually considered in like, human rights. And that's not part of the legislation brought in over here. And given that Northern Ireland as a state is so bound up with like, religion, and, um, like it's been held, some people say it's been held back by that, what would you say to the fact that people performing um, uh, such procedures wouldn't be allowed to actually voice their own objections, not saying to the patient, oh, oh uh, don't do it because X, Y, Z, but purely they're not actually allowed to have any sort of conscientious objection. <laughs> um. 
I think you know that that is an issue. You know, someone individually is not carrying a procedure that is an issue. But I probably think if you know supplements going to have an issue with that the implementation of that law, it should get itself back into actual function. Um, obviously, uh, there is going to be issues with you know, translating the law to um, you know issues in translating that law to Ireland. Individuals for people carrying the procedures, but I think the priority is the individuals who need these procedures to be legal and to be carried out safely. You know, so yeah, it's unfortunate the people who aren't comfortable carrying out procedures will be forced to. But personally, I'm not as fussed about someone being uncomfortable as I am about someone dying of sepsis. Awesome. Um, I think the point raised very excellently points out that laws written in Westminster cannot adequately serve the devolved government. It is a prime example of the, the failure of direct ruling, um, and you know we have this we have this notion continuously pushed forward by the proposition of you know we, we need this now we need this through now it doesn't matter what form it takes it just needs to you know get through um, because you know, the system is broken and, and we agree the system is broken um, but what we're calling for is a change to the system of Northern Irish democracy so that it is better suited to. to providing these changes rather than rushing through changes not designed for Northern Ireland. And I'll tell you why, because you see, Rome wasn't built in a day, but I'll tell you something else about Rome, right? It didn't fall in a day either, all right? It was little steps, little bits every time. And you know, it's like, oh, this is such a small thing. This doesn't matter. This doesn't apply. This is only a little thing. You know how many times you say that before you end up with serious problems? It's surprisingly few. So you can't just stand by and let your system fail when it suits you. You can't just let things fly by when it's all right. The road to hell is always paved with good intentions. And we can't just let good intentions disguise us, as, like blind us, I should say, as we are in that minecart hurtling towards that fiery, fiery abyss. And I understand that I've just made a very bad metaphor associating not allowing abortion with going to hell, but We'll, we'll ignore that bit and just say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Thank you. Wow. Uh, any, are there any abstaining questions? So these questions which are to every woman to know what really. Yes, certainly. I'm just taking a glance. Um, I was just curious what the thoughts are from both sides on to what extent the right to conscientious objection should apply. So, for example, perhaps a doctor doesn't have to actively participate in an abortion, but would have no right to, for example, be able to refer a patient or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, because opposition started, it would go the opposition first. Um, the, the way I would go with conscientious objection, yeah, a do an individual doctor has every right not to perform a procedure. However, that doctor must also be aware that they took a Hippocratic Oath, and within that they have a duty of care for their patient. And as such, even if they object to the procedure, they will be provided within a time limit, probably about 24 hours, to refer the patient to another doctor who will perform the procedure or who can be consulted for a an issue. That's what the opposition is. Yeah, I think the largely agree with you know, just, you know, the, the doctor doesn't have to individually carry the procedure but should you know, very be you should be have, should have be compelled to provide someone who immediately can also refer you know, for that procedure on the uh, person um, so any questions for the opposition 
Scott Lorraine. Yes, certainly. Can you stay here for a minute? This goes for everyone, even if I know you. Uh, I'm Ben. Um, the opposition were uh, talking about um, Westminster are rushing through these changes, and you kind of like uh, give the idea that they were um, doing them like hastily, like it was sort of a hasty, hasty procedure um, in terms of changing Northern Ireland's laws, but that's not really the case. Like, for example, um, if we're talking about same-sex marriage, it was four years ago that the uh, Northern Ireland Assembly voted to legalise same-sex marriage, which was vetoed. Um, but there was a majority in favour of it four years ago. Uh, it's only four years after that that law is being implemented, and there's been ever since a clear majority of MLAs in favour of it, a clear majority of uh, people in the public in favour of it, and it's been um, under a lot of consideration by Westminster among those four years. So you could argue, which not argue that changes like that have actually been put under a lot of consideration and have been actually they have been democratically tested, and people are in favour of it, um, but they just haven't happened till now. Within that, yeah, okay, so we consider this, if we, if we take and accept that the majority of the public um, are in favour of these laws going through, are in favour of uh, equal marriage and abortion in Northern Ireland, and we take it that a majority of MLAs uh, are in favour of these laws going through as well, we then are left with the question of why these laws have not gone through yet. And the answer to that is the Stormont system in place has been inherently set up to prevent change like this happening. Which means, even if we allow these laws to be forced through, even if we allow to make that little slip on, on the road of democracy, you know, we let it through this once and we do it, the system that is broken is still in place. We still find that in the future, Stormont is non-functioning on these kinds of issues and functional change cannot be made. That is why we're saying this enforcement causes more problems. It leads to it just the, the status quo being accepted. You know, a year or so from now, Stormont will come back, everyone will be, oh, you know, we can get our discount sausage rolls in the Stormont canteen, and everything will be fine again. But it won't be fine, because the system will still be broken. So that's what we're saying, Nelson. Um, yeah, this one. Jared, sausage rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, sausage rolls. Um, yeah, uh, I agree with yourself. This, this isn't. Um, it's not about Westminster rushing into this like this hasn't been rushed into. It's not about little slips in, in democracy. Um, it's about recognising that this is something that should. Have, these are two things that should have happened years ago. Like the the same-sex marriage thing, as you said, was agreed upon four years ago and was vetoed. It's about realising that we've gone three years. At least we're waiting on these things, and we cannot afford to wait another X amount of years, um, which is why they're being brought in now. So. Okay. Uh, any questions for the proposition? So we just have an opposition one there. Not at all. I'll just just while you're thinking, I'm going to talk about sausage rolls. Uh, essentially, the reason why sausage rolls are brought up there is it's been quite a long chat with a taxi driver. The least sectarian taxi driver I've ever met. He was so liberal, I loved yeah. We had a taxi driver who, you mentioned Jim Alliston within the first couple of minutes, but then he went I on. Hand, <laughs> yeah, and then he went on to say he doesn't judge people based on their race, sexuality, or religion. He judges them based on whether they're a dickhead. And I was like, you're the least evil taxi driver I've ever met. Um, because I've had some bad experiences. And it ended up just us talking about uh, MLAs getting free sausage rolls for the guts of 10 minutes, yeah. maybe. Um, so that's, that's the law on that. I have to say, probably my favorite taxi experience. 
I once had a man called. Uh, <laughs> I believe I told the story of the debate once, but there was a man called Bashir who. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who, I, I didn't tell the full story during the debate because I actually used it as an argument in favor of Uber, when in reality I didn't tell the rest of the story. So Bashir told me the whole story of his life, um, about how, you know, his life back in Pakistan, where his father was a member of the secret police and would beat up anyone who like got in his way so he could dominate the taxi business. It was terrifying. <laughs> and then he like, pulled out in front of a junction and nearly killed a man, and then like swore at the man who he nearly killed. So these are the folks who give you ample time to think of a question for the proposition. Are there, are there any questions for the proposition? Any? Any at all? Yes! Just in, the, in my peripheral vision. <laughs> anyway, um, question. So you're saying about bringing in um, abortion legislation and uh, same-sex marriage and whatnot. What about other legislation? So we haven't had a government for nearly a thousand days. We're almost two and a half years behind on like a lot of different issues. Why these two issues when there's like so much other campaigning going on in Northern Ireland for, say, disability rights? or like victimhood and um, historical inquiries and things like that. Why only these two things? Is it just because in Westminster there's like a, this looks good in the media type thing? Um, why, specifically why only these two issues? Because these are the two issues mentioned in the motion. Um, and so we're somewhat tied down to them. But I, I absolutely agree, you know, we should implement those, those are, you know, the other methods you mentioned are you know, absolutely very good and, you know, preferably those would be implemented by a functioning storming, you know, system. I think, you know, the opposition is brought up a lot of times, you know, you know, you know, isn't it better to, you know, reform storming? The thing is, we can reform storming, you know, the, the proposition is not by any means against reforming storming. You know, we, we can just, do, you know, we're just saying, while this, you know, the, the opportunity to have, you know, the, the Westminster is trying to, is, is decided to enforce these two specific measures, ending the ban on gay marriage, ending state forced pregnancy, and so we should take advantage of that, and then reform storm. That would be great. There's, you know, there's nothing stopping us reforming storm after we've had these implemented. Um, if Westminster decides to implement, uh, you know, acts on the building measure or any other, on any other issue, then yeah, we'll take advantage of that. But, the prior but yeah, we should also be trying to reform Stormont and get back out of all the executive. It's just that if this, if the opportunity arises to get these two matters solved quickly and efficiently, we should do that. Um, for the opposition response, I'd like to note at the, at the beginning of your response that the implication that the reason why Westminster have only chosen <laughs> equal marriage and abortion is because that is the motion that the Literary Council decides upon. Yeah, um, no, no. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I, yeah. No. I'm not a time cop, don't shut up. Yeah. As we, as we know, the letter effect is the true governing body that governs the board. Oh, sorry, I wasn't meant to say that. Oh, I'll say something quickly. Respond before the proposal. Yeah, it's, it's an excellent point in that what we're doing is we're creating a hierarchy of issues here. Like, 
they are pressing issues of the time, and of course we would like to see laws passes sort them out. But it's a sticky plaster, and you can't just keep applying sticky plasters if the functioning of the assembly is broken. Because there's so many other issues here. We have issues with the victims of the troubles, we have issues with victims of abuse in systematic institutions in Northern Ireland as well. They need legislation passed so we can care for their needs as well. They need legislation passed with a devolved assembly. And Westminster cannot simply be expected to pass an act every time one of those issues comes up. So I feel this is very, very highlighting the fact we undermine our democracy here. It actually is a detriment to those other victims of other important issues, vitally important issues, that are being neglected here. And we undermine the actual institution, which is the only way that we can get them justice through legislative acts. Thank you very much. Now we move on to abstaining questions. This is just a, a little idea that you throw out uh, to get them to respond to. Yes. Sorry, my name's Matt. Um, in regards to kind of what you both said, isn't this an issue for kind of bringing the union to an equal equal playing field? That someone from England, someone from Scotland, someone from Wales, and now someone from Northern Ireland will have accessibility to the same rights. And isn't that a case that if you are in union within a family of nations, that every citizen from each nation should have the same equal access? So actually, isn't this just a long time in the making? And should equal marriage have been extended within the original act when David Cameron brought it in? Because I let the opposition respond first. Because I let the opposition respond first to the last abstaining question, I'll let the opposition respond first. I, so as much as I think you know we should you know Northern Ireland should have uh, um, at you know, the uh, end of the ban on gay marriage, the end of the practice of state forced pregnancy, I don't think I'd go quite far as saying that we should have absolute unity between the between the, the four constituent parties of the United Kingdom. Obviously, you know, personally, if it were up to me, the you know, state forced pregnancy would have been ended in all you know, in our six counties when it was went after the referendum. But you know, that's me. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, I think you know it's important to maintain the, uh, the, the evolution. I think you know, you know, by that same, you know, if, if we were saying you know, it should be it, there should be parity across the four parties, then obviously you know, you, you know, we, we don't you know, everyone in Northern Ireland would have to pay more student fees. People in Scotland would have to pay student fees. You know, there there are good functions. Of devolution, we are not They're against devolution. Sorry, sorry, no, but sorry. Uh, do you wish to do we, do you wish to offer clarification? Ooh, yeah. Um, I'll let you pick up clarification. Oh okay, well, yeah. student student fees aren't rights. Rights are separate to the Scottish government. People in Scotland have the same rights as English people in regards to abortion access to gay marriage. Yet they still have devolved. They can still handle devolved matters. Maybe it's time that issues such as equality aren't actually devolved, and that's part of being within the union. And that is shared across all the families and nations. It doesn't necessarily, they're not interconnected. I think uh, that's, yeah, that's more, that's an issue of you know, the function of devolution. I think that's an issue of like, the practice of devolution more than an issue of the, you know, it, it, I think that's, it's very, it's very tricky. I think, you know, if you say, okay, so these rules concern rights, these, you know, govern the entire, you know, UK, there's a you know, devolution that doesn't prevent that, and that, that's, um, that is setting an actual precedent more than you'll just say, you know, you know that's, that's going beyond here, you guys haven't been doing anything for two years, we're going to step in, you know, on this thing that's got massive public support and we need the massive support of the people in the Europe Assembly. That, that's saying, you know, okay, we're going to like supersede the devolved government on this on certain issues. So I think that's the difference. Opposition to response. 
Devolution exists for the express purpose of ensuring that individual nations within the whole group are able to decide how best to govern themselves and decide what issues are most important in their societies for their unique circumstances, whilst ensuring that they are still a part of this decisive whole. I think um, this notion that individual, uh, this notion of, oh, you know, well, this issue is, is a rights issue across the UK, and therefore we have to ensure that it is enforced devolution-wise on uh, Northern Ireland, it again falls into this territory of, oh yes, you know, we can allow democracy to die to thunderous applause because it's an issue we like. I quoted um, Star Wars yeah, twice, the yeah. twice now, twice I notice it. Uh, yes, uh, I, uh, exactly. But no, I, I think the notion is absurd. I think devolution, the very principle of devolution is to allow people to determine what is best within their society themselves. I think, in truth, if we have a functioning installment, we are going to get these laws through regardless. The problem that the opposition is trying to stress to you again and again is that the reason these laws have not already been passed is because Stormont is, by its design, broken and undemocratic. And that, therefore, the best way to ensure that laws like this get passed and important laws like the ones Connor mentioned and many, many others that we don't even know about in the future get passed is not to just expect Westminster to wave them through whenever an issue comes up and DUP and Sinn Féin start like crying in the corner about how mean the other side is. No, the best way is to reform, uh, reform Stormont, find a better solution, and allow these laws to pass through democratically and with the mandate of the people properly. Not with this faux pas. We think you know, most people want it, so we'll, we'll allow that for it. That's what we think. Okay, so we are currently 10 to 4. Um, so we're going to move on to the vote. Um, I'd just like to thank everyone for coming again. It's great to see so many new people here, um, especially considering, you know, we are, we are very comfortable with our membership. It's great to see so many new people coming, coming up, taking the time, and coming to Scotland for our debate. So without further ado, it's vote time. This is the vote on speaker ability on the motion. This case supports the enforcement of equal marriage and abortion on NI. Remember, hands are very high because I'm not good at seeing hands. So, all of those in favour of the motion, please raise your hands and say aye. 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 Uh, all those against the motion, please raise your hands and say nay. Nay. And all those who wish to abstain on the motion, meaning you think it's believably valid, really terribly valid, just don't care, please raise your hands and say, meh. So we have four votes for the proposition, 13 for the opposition, and three abstaining votes. So the opposition have the option of the vote. mystery bus which will take us to the centre of Belfast and more importantly to Spoons. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to say. Firstly, uh, thanks again to Connor and Claire for getting us in here, so we'll do another clap.
everyone uh, for coming. Storm Trip really is a, a highlight of our calendar. It's really great to get into this building as at least somebody's using it. Um, Russell. Uh, make sure you give your language back at the desk because you're not allowed to keep them. So. Yes, if you keep them, they will, they will hunt you down. Um, a couple of other things. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get a tour because we were a bit short on time, but feel free as we're walking down to take a wee look round. In terms of announcements uh, for this week, debate tomorrow night in the PFC. Hello. Do you turn to the chat? I believe we probably do have time to go to the shop. You can all go to the shop. Can we go to Supermax on the way home? Where's Supermax? There's one in East Belfast. Is there? There's yeah. a Supermax in East Belfast. Let's all get on the bus and stop off outside Supermax and get what do you buy there. A Supermax. A Supermax. Can I suggest a stop in at McDonald's on the way as well? We're going to do a we're going to do a fast food tour of Belfast on the way home. Supermax, Magics, Bricks, uh, uh, Burger King. Can I do some clarification? Supermax is like the Irish McDonald's. I think we see one better. What? Yes. And they recently won a massive case of Irish McDonald's, but the Belgian like soup using the word Mac. Oh, oh my God! Like old is called Mac. Yeah, although I don't think there's quite the same ring to I cried at the Supermax at 1am yeah. as I cried at McDonald's at 1am. I think the laugh has got a bit, of, a bit more of a... Yes, I'm st still, still got my announcements to go before the... So, Tom, come on. So, there'll be a training workshop next Tuesday. I know there's a lot of people here. If you want to have a wee go at debating the training workshop on Tuesday, more information about that tomorrow night. I'll be announcing this tomorrow night as well, but I've got can debate is coming up. Uh, this has progressed the Arab Spring, I believe, the motion is. Uh, and that is a great opportunity for new speakers to get into a competitive debate in the comfort of our own Senate room and do some speeches. And there is a winner. We've got two winners in. We've got Kim O'Malley, who won last year. Well done. And we've got me, who won <laughs> a few years ago. Um, so, apart from that, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a big clap and then we're going to saw off and we're going to go onto the stairs. And if, if we can, let me have a big photo of everyone on the stairs, because we've done it every single year. And so, on that note, I declare this meeting, which I haven't actually said, but it's the second special meeting. The first special meeting was when we were at QCon and talked to a bunch of weeds. Adjourned! <laughs>